This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. It's, well, it's only Tuesday. And would you believe only about six weeks to Christmas? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Thanksgiving is like a week and a half away, right? Thanksgiving next week. Next week. Next Santa Claus is coming. And in the studio with us, we have a common sense Democrat, Richard uh, Weinberg, Judge Richard Weinberg. And we have Craig Eaton and the common sense Republican. And uh, Tony Carbonetti, the chief. I don't know what he is, but uh, he's one one tough guy. Uh, former chief of staff to Rudy Giuliani. You had to be a tough guy to be him. That's it. To be there. That's it. And uh, Lydia Serrani. And we got a great show for you today. And uh, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And right now, because it's after dark, we are broadcasting all the way from South Miami, all the way to Northern Europe, and one of the most powerful radio stations in the world. And... Uh, who do we have today? Coming in from Israel, I hear. Coming in from Israel, we have Professor Alan Dershowitz. He's a leading constitutional lawyer in the country. He's, what, Harvard Law, 50 years, 50 books published. His latest, The Price of Principle. Welcome back to Cats and Night, Professor Dershowitz. Well, shalom, everybody from <laughs> Israel, the land of the Bible. I'm so thrilled to be here, seeing old friends, meeting new people who are in the government. Uh, and, well, how was uh, it with Netanyahu? Well, you know, Bibi and I have been friends since he was 22 years old. We met in 1970 when we were both on a TV show called The Advocates, and we've been very close friends since. He's a little busy these days trying to form the government, but in a few days, I think I'll see him. I, I look forward. Um, you know, there's there's missiles flying all over the place. Oh, yeah. Ukraine, oh, uh, Ukraine and Russia, and on the border, it's really, really on the border of Poland. Maybe, you know, it was a bad uh, shooter. Uh, uh, I don't think they really meant to hit Poland. What say you? No, I, I agree with that. By the way, it landed right near where my grandfather grew up. My grandfather grew up on the Polish side of the Polish-Ukrainian border in an unpronounceable town called something like Przemysl. And it's that area that was hit. And it's impossible for me to believe that the Russians, no matter what you think of Putin, would actually provoke a war with NATO, NATO Charter 5 yeah. uh, based on a rocket. It was obviously a mistake. Yeah, Putin said, I only missed by this it. much. <laughs> they would have been smart to admit it. it was a mistake. Apologize. Pay some money to the people who were killed in the grain factory that was destroyed and move on with it. Now, I want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. The big con game. Now, you say, what, what, what big con game? Pick one. Well, <laughs> they offered, President Biden offered all the students in, in, in the United States a $10,000 forgiveness. Yeah. And Nancy, even Nancy Pelosi said. That, take a listen. The Nancy Pelosi soundbite. Well, someplace here. Yeah. This more on the subject. 
people think that the president of the United States, is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Will you let me know? People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. Okay, that, enough. That, so that means you know, even Nancy <laughs> admits it that every student that thought they were they were going to get forgiven got conned that they're going to have two turkeys in every oven, <laughs> and um, they voted for Democrats. Mm. What say well, you? Well, he, you know, the court was absolutely right. Nancy Pelosi's right. The president does not have the power to legislate under the Constitution. But the poor, the poor American people, the students that. didn't know that. know that. They don't know that. Suckers. Yeah, but they may, they may, the Congress, if they're, if they're doing the right thing, the Congress will say, look, the president made this mistake. He messed up, but the students shouldn't lose from that. So we're going to now vote to support the president's view. Now, the Senate will do that, obviously. The House, it's Republican. Who knows if they'll do it? I don't know. But the kids should not get uh, hurt by as the result of a presidential mistake. Well, yeah, was, it a mistake? Got was it a got mistake or was it a con game? Well, that's Think about it before you answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, can, I have to tell you, presidents on both parties have assumed too much power. They don't have the power to legislate. Mayors don't have the power to legislate. Governors, remember during COVID, presidents and governors were passing laws saying who gets fired, who has to have vaccine. That's the job of the legislature. We established the Constitution, which divides the authority. Legislatures make the law, presidents enforce the law, and Congress and, and the Supreme Court passes on the constitutionality of the law. And too many presidents have done too many things without the authorization of Congress. There's another issue now pending. Now that the election is over, maybe Biden will try to re-enter the deal with Iran. He can't do it. It's a treaty. Absolutely. And the treaty requires consent of two-thirds of the Senate. And we're going to bring a lawsuit if he tries to do that. I've already arranged with some people. We're going to try to get some senators to bring a lawsuit saying the president does not have the authority to sign a treaty with Iran. That's up to the Senate. He can propose it, but the Senate two-thirds has to confirm it. Professor, this is Craig Eaton. We have a question for you. We were talking about it earlier. We look back at the 2022 presidential election, and all of these different states have all these different rules about how the votes get counted and how whether it could be by mail and when they get returned and this postmark and everything else. I mean, the only way we're going to get fair elections in the country is if someone comes up with a federal election law where around the country, each and every state has to abide by one set of rules. We can't have 50 different sets of rules out there for the same well, election. Federal elections. No, federal I elections, yes. You can't do it for civil No, that's what I'm, I have a very unique idea. Mark a piece okay. of paper and have people count them. <laughs> I, I just came up with it on my own. But, you know, many countries in the world, including Israel, where I am today, have election commissions former deans of law schools, former justices of the Supreme Court, uh, former, you know, people of high, high integrity of both parties. And they pass on all challenges to any election. We don't have that. Today, the challenges are all partisan. Whoever loses makes a complaint. And then it depends on whether the complaint is made 
to his party or the other party. Nobody believes it anymore. We need to have a national election commission at which all complaints can go to. I agree with you. I think we need to have a single. Who who would establish that? Who would have to establish that? Congress? Congress would have to establish that. And I also think the presumption should always be voting in person in a booth alone with nobody there. I love to tell the story that my wife uh, didn't trust me to vote for Biden who I said I was going to vote for on the last election. She thought maybe because, you know, I got to know Trump and because I represented him, maybe I'd vote for Trump. And she didn't want me to vote for Trump. She actually videotaped me voting for Biden. Imagine the pressure. Now, uh, I love my wife and she can do anything she wants. But imagine an old person in a nursing home uh, having an absentee ballot. And the caretaker said, you know, who you should vote for X, Y and Z. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I think that absentee ballot should be the exception. And it's quickly becoming the rule. You know, if you need representation on that with your wife, the judge or I can help you there, Professor. <laughs> just, Election you know, I'm a Brooklyn lawyer, so I can, I can help you there. Nobody has beaten my wife in an argument or litigation. <laughs> so, Professor Dershowitz, they, time. Professor Dershowitz, so in Israel for their elections, they don't have little old ladies volunteering to help with the election process. I mean, the, uh, voting is the underpinning of our democracy, and it should be treated as such. It's a sacred process, like, you, like you're just uh, describing right now. I, I believe in that piece of paper you're talking about where every Everybody has a piece of paper, and you have hard evidence. Yes. You of can the use vote. a scanner to count and them. We had Jack, but have General, count them. and I'm not talking about any particular company. General McInerney was on on Friday, and he says he he is scared mm. that voting machines connected to the internet yep. could be tampered with. Anything could be hacked, John. Yeah. Anything. No, there's no doubt about that. And the voting machine companies, I'm involved in a lawsuit concerning that voting machine companies refuse to disclose their algorithms. They refuse to subject them to peer review. So we can't sit in judgment. I think every wow, machine. Wow. Wow. Has wow. To I, I, I just heard something. I didn't know. Tell us to so repeat that the voting machine companies, an algorithm. I mean, what is, what, what is, no. what do you need an algorithm for? Right, it's one plus counting. one plus two. They say, they say it's a business secret. But if you're doing work for the Out government, if you are the government, the government can't keep secrets like that. And if you are a company like that, you're the government. The government has allocated. I will fund that lawsuit. That governmental responsibility. Professor Dershowitz, I will fund that lawsuit if, if those, <laughs> if those electronic machines are using algorithms. Okay. Okay. Now, look. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's crazy. Should not be allowed. I mean, what, what do you have to do to count one plus one plus one plus one? You don't need algorithms. Yeah. You're right. Well, if they have nothing to hide, they should at least be willing to it's show a- it to experts or the court to de- be able to determine whether or not anything was hacked. It's a gateway to trouble. I personally believe that the 2020 election resulted in the right outcome. I happen to believe that. But that doesn't mean I don't. Look, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. Yeah. All I'm saying is that they, how can they say that you have to keep a secret from the taxpayers? Mm-hmm. How do you say you have to keep secrets from the voters on algorithms on voting? And we're paying for it. Well, and the argument is they are a private company. But once they But that's agree a lot of crap. Once you're dealing with the make, public, it's, you're not right. a private company anymore. That's right. I agree with you. They are a governmental unit for purposes of counting votes. Because only the, only the government can count votes. 
You can't be a private company and then assert the right of a private company to the secrecy of your business plans. If you don't want to show your algorithm, you need complete disclosure. The contract. You need disclosure. Every citizen deserves disclosure. People need to have faith in that process. And when we have these data dumps like we saw in Arizona that it took several days to count the votes, it just raises the suspicion level. What what do you think, Professor Dershowitz? Not only must all elections be fair, they must be seen to be fair. And a third of the Americans today have questions about the fairness of elections. Well, that can't be possible. It has to Professor be Dershowitz, more or less than that. We're on a long distance call with we can't Israel. Afford it. We can't afford it. Because <laughs> you'll know, be funding that lawsuit. I, I, I want to thank you for calling in. Calling in. And uh, for your time, it's one o'clock in the morning. So go to sleep and have a pleasant evening, and uh, we'll catch you up real soon. But uh, but, but you got my gander up. Anytime, anytime, I will stay up for you. Thank so you, thank and you I, and calling. I'm serious about that lawsuit because I think the disclosure is needed. I agree with you. It's cats at night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidi's Cats at Night show where you are going to hear breaking news 24-7 on this show, right, John? Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the information we got from uh, Professor Dershowitz is mind-boggling. And now we're going to get some also breaking news and inside information from General Jack Keane, his retired American four-star general, former vice chief of staff of the United States Army and Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. He's also a national security analyst. I can go on and on. Welcome back to Cats at Night, General. Jack Keen. Yeah, delighted to be here, as always, with you and your audience. Well, Jack, uh, we, we got a million people listening tonight. We're up and down the whole East Coast because we're part of that uh, 50,000 watts clear channel. Um, what the heck is going on? It was a Poland an accident? Well, I don't think we know yet. Um, I think one of three things happened. Uh, first, you know, The Russians have been firing a fuselage of missiles today uh, at Ukraine, at energy targets, at the Ukrainian people in response to Ukraine's victory in retaking uh, Kherson City and President Zelensky's uh, celebratory visit there uh, and uh, and the emotional greeting he had with the people he liberated. So one of those certainly could have been an errant missile. Uh, our audience may not know, but would not be surprised that the Russians have difficulty uh, being accurate with all their missiles. A fair percentage of them are go astray or are errant. Another thing is uh, an air defense missile from Ukraine could have hit a Russian missile partially and uh, took it off target. Or number three, while it doesn't appear to be a military target there or uh it's close to a i think a major intersection uh it could have been an intentional uh missile firing maybe to interfere somewhat with the supply lines uh, between ukraine and and poland and i think it'll take uh, a little bit of time for poland to assess the situation and also use the technology that's available to the united states and the ukrainians maybe uh, to come come to a final conclusion uh but we got to give it a little bit of time before we speculate too much of, about what took place general kane it's uh, it's judge richard weinberg sir what should nato be doing in the meantime while 
Poland is looking at this, shouldn't they be doing their own investigation? Yeah, I, if they have the capability and, and Poland wants it, certainly they will. Um, NATO, I think, uh, should have a meeting on this subject and at a minimum uh, issue a warning to Russia once the facts are known. Let's assume it's an errant missile uh, or some kind of mistake that this kind of recklessness uh, is very dangerous and, and we can't tolerate it. Uh, if it's a targeted missile and, and it was intentional and the two people are killed as a result of that, and then uh, NATO has to come up with some options in terms of how they're going to deal with that situation. Uh, in any event, I don't think it means uh, we're going to war, but if it was an intentional strike, certainly one of the options that NATO would uh, consider would be a limited response in kind. So I think that that that's where we are. The tragedy is we've got two people lost here, and certainly uh, Poland has every right to be very concerned about this situation and certainly to make certain that this is not going to happen again. Uh, Poland, by the way, so our audience understands, has been all in in supporting the Ukrainians. Not only are they the major hub for all supplies to transit through Poland to go into Ukraine, but that's the, they are the major training center uh, where the United States and others are training uh, the, the Ukrainian military, with the exception being the, the U.K., uh, where there's thousands of Ukrainians uh, training there. That's and, why I'm and, not sure it's unintentional. Well, you can't put it past the, the Russians. I mean, we are talking about the Russians here. Mm -hmm. It's so a that's message. That's why it, it, it's, it is the possibility that they intended to do this to send, uh, send some kind of a message. And let's face it. I mean, after the setbacks that the Russians have had, uh, most notably losing Hershon City, the only provincial capital they had underneath their control. And they put their best forces in there, their airborne forces, and they had to pull them out before they were destroyed. Uh, and, and this is a very humiliating situation for them. Remember, this is one of the uh, oblasts, the ter four territories that Putin, to cover up Ukraine's successful retaking of territory in the east, they declared that these four territories were now a part of Russia and attempt to achieve a political victory to cover up uh, the military uh, victory that the Ukrainians had achieved. And, and, and here we are, the provincial capital of the region, the Ukrainians have retaken and then just thrown that in the face of, uh, of Putin. It's very humiliating and embarrassing what's happening to him, for sure. Where are our, our troops that, uh, are they still in Poland? The yeah, Poland troops? Yeah, we have, uh, we have uh, uh, 18th Airborne Corps headquarters with a three-star general there, and we have thousands of our troops there who are helping. The 82nd is left, the 101st has come in to replace them. Both of those divisions are part of 18th Airborne Corps. There are two other divisions also. So we have about 20,000 additional troops in Europe uh, because of the Russian invasion in Ukraine. 
General Jack Keane, bringing it back now to our border, Title 42, Judge Weinberg, you know all about this, has just been blocked by a federal judge, meaning the border is now even more open than it ever was before. General Jack Keane, what does this do for our national security? The fact that now the United States, the one kind of weapon that we had to expel uh, migrants, we don't have anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's not a country in the world that that has that, a, a completely open border and wouldn't consider it a national security problem. So you're absolutely using the right words when you attach open border to a national security problem. And, and we know full well that just in this year alone, close to 100 people on the terrorist list, terrorist watch list, have been detained as a result of crossing the border. That's the ones we know about. And that's what we know about. You know, the so-called gotaways are in the tens of thousands. And the fact that they're taking such evasive action not to get caught tells you something is going on with them for sure. Either they're criminals, they have criminal intent, or indeed they've got uh, terrorism in their background and, and possibly intent to do harm here in the United States. So, and human trafficking is also a major issue. The, the, the bringing in of fentanyl and how it's poisoning uh, Americans, that fentanyl, the, the, the source of the chemical, it used to be the source of the pills was China, but now they've stopped manufacturing the pills, but they're still the source of the chemicals. The Mexicans are, are manufacturing the pills. And believe me, China is doing this intentionally to, to cause social breakdown of cohesion uh, in the United States, to undermine our civil society. China's comprehensive penetration of the United States is on a scale we have never experienced in our history, not just the fentanyl penetration, but technology stealing, uh, undermining secrets. It is it is very comprehensive and, and somewhat overwhelming to the FBI, you, in my judgment. So, take, yeah, we have any, a national security problem. Do you take any solace in the meeting that President Biden just had with the do you, think, do you think this was ever discussed with President, President Xi Jinping? Biden and, and the China's president met for three hours. We have no indication that it was discussed. And you would think if it if it happened, that they would disclose that it happened, you know, in the aftermath of it. The fact that we're inching closer to war over Taiwan uh, because President Xi's uh, behavior uh, has indicated that, and he's threatened the use of force. And there's no indication that President Biden, despite having told reporters on four occasions, if uh, President Xi goes into Taiwan with force, then we would respond. There's no indication that he looked President Xi in the eye and told him that if he did that, he's going to force the United States' hand into a military conflict, something we don't want to do. But make certain that President Xi understands that, so there's no doubt. But so after President, President Biden Xi, says it, someone walks it back. Yeah. And if you're President Xi and Biden doesn't even bring the subject up and President Xi obviously knows he's the aggressor here and he's got to walk out of that meeting saying, well, I don't think Biden's serious. About We've got, stopping General, we have 30 anything. seconds. Well, what do you want to tell the American people? Well, I'm going to tell, tell the American people that we we have. 
got to move with a sense of urgency to fix the military deficiencies that we have in the Indo-Pacific region as we're etching closer to a potential conflict. We want to deter that conflict from happening, but we have to upgun ourselves to make certain that that deterrence is there. It's not there now. General Jack Kane, thank you for everything you've done for America and continue to speak out for America. And we're going to catch up with you again real soon. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats and Night Show. Now on the line for us, Jay Clayton. He served as the chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. He's now the senior policy advisor and of counsel to Sullivan and Cromwell. Welcome to Cats at Night. Hi. Welcome. And, and Chairman Clayton, what the heck is going on with cryptocurrency in the markets? I mean, uh, uh, with FTX filing bankruptcy, there seems to be a little bit of... Uh, uh, well, what's the nicest word I could say? Con. Scam. Con. Scam. Uh, the biggest con game in the world, it sounds like. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Chairman, Mr. Chairman, uh, please tell us well, how you feel. Well, you had me on um, about 10 days ago, and you asked me um, with skepticism, appropriate skepticism, what we should be worried about. And I think we both agreed that we should be worried about things like excessive leverage. We should be worried about some of these entities um, taking short-term deposits like a bank and investing in long-term assets and not having the liquidity for withdrawals. And we talked about not segregating customer property. These are all fundamentals of financial regulation in the United States that were not being followed by many of the, uh, what I would say is offshore cryptocurrency firms. And um, unfortunately, we have had to learn those lessons over and over again, that the fundamentals of financial regulation need to apply. Well, it it seems like uh, uh, this FTX uh, uh, company, uh, its uh, founder, has gone far beyond the call of duty. And uh, you know, between his political contributions, it, it sounds like he, he was paying for protection. Mm-hmm. You know, all of this, the good, the good thing about the U.S., and, and we all love the U.S., is that all of this is going to play out and we're going to get transparency into these things over time. Um, that's 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 the good thing here. Um and, and look, I'm going to reserve judgment on, on just what was done and how bad it was by particular people until we have the facts. But what we all know here is that you shouldn't be sending your money offshore um, because you know what? You can't get it back when things like this happen. And a lot of smart be- people thought there was quick money there to be made, so they all did it. And they've been burned more than once, and they keep getting bailed out. There better not be a crypto bailout. And it must be a lot of young people yeah. that, that, that believed in this stuff. Yeah, look, you have, you have a combination of euphoria, lack of, reg, lack of regulation, greed, um, and, you know, on the some part, uh, you know, stupidity. And we're all human beings and we're susceptible to those mistakes. This is this is why we have strong, transparent regulation around financial products in the U.S. And look, I'm a free market guy, but you can't have a free market 
unless you have clear rules. Again, we are speaking with Jay Clayton. He served as the chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Speaking of this Sam Bankman-Fried, that's the FTX founder, it is curious, though, that he spent $40 million alone on the midterms. He spent another $10 million for Joe Biden's election campaign in 2020. And then there were talks that he was going to spend upwards of a billion to $2 billion on the Democrats in 2024. So it, it doesn't look good for the Democrats. It looks like there's some kind of connection here his mother also runs some sort of democratic pack what what do you think look i'm gonna i'm gonna say this i'm gonna let others um comment on the political side but but what is and and i'm a glass half full guy this is a terrible situation it's going to play out over days but it's america and you know what we, we we have insight into what happened and we can ask those questions and those questions should be asked And I think that's a good thing. Let me tell you, there are jurisdictions around the world, many of them, where you shouldn't send your money, where you're not allowed to ask those questions. Mm. Excellent point. So your advice to uh, the consumer is uh, you you send your money offshore and uh, you're uh, you're playing uh, in a big casino. In in short, yes, John. But my my advice. Go ahead. My advice is very simple. You, I'd ask the lawyer, would you take Bitcoin as the retainer? When the lawyer says no, I'd say that's how because they know it's not real. <laughs> Always a good question to ask. Would you do the trade if you're you? Would you take a retainer in Bitcoin? Um, I am not invested in Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I never invested in Bitcoin. But when it went through the roof, I was Everyone saying to myself, why did I not invest in Bitcoin? I should have. I, I could have. I could have. I mean, we even discussed that, John, yeah. and, and all of us here many times. But, you know, a client of mine invested heavily in it. And he told me that if he lost his password, he would no longer have any access to his Bitcoin. And that, to me, just seemed ludicrous. But look, there are a lot of smart people who think that it can operate as a store of value, particularly outside the United States, where there aren't rules around protecting your your wealth, your deposits, those kinds of things. There's a lot of smart people who say, why would you have something um, that uh, replaces the dollar when the dollar works very well? You know, we're going to see that play out over time. But what we really need is transparency so that you so that you can have leverage um, and uh, what I would say is the mis uh, the misuse the commingling of customer funds those if we're going to let people experiment with Bitcoin you got to do it in a regulated environment good point I understand that's why I've said to people uh, nobody's regulating Bitcoin but cryptocurrency regulated by banks and the banks are responsible for it is a little more uh, Swallowable or whatever. <laughs> Palatable. Palatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Clayton, former SEC chairman, thank you so much for uh, uh, everything you've done for our country and continue to speak out for the truth for our country. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, right now, who do we have? We have two guests on the line. We have Fred Dicker. He's a former columnist of the New York Post. He knows everything that has to go on in upstate New York, specifically when it comes to politics. And then the greatest senator that ever lived. How about that? You like that, Senator D'Amato? Not just of New York. And you always tell it like it is. You're always a joy to have on. We love you, Senator D'Amato. Well, it's great to be on with one of the great, great columnists of all time, Fred Dicker, uh, formerly with the New York Post, and he was 
fabulous. Gave no one quarter, but treated everybody respectfully. And if you dropped the ball, he'd call it on you. And he'd say, you muffed that one, Al. Great to be with you, Fred. Great to be with you, Senator. It's been a while. I have to say, I remember those occasional calls I got from you with a little outrage about what I was trying to do to you, but I was trying to be straight, and I appreciate you describing it that way. Tell us, well, guys, tell us what the heck is going What happened in New York City, New York State uh, with the elections? Everybody's still trying to uh, uh, recover from it. And, uh, uh, and the, you tell us. Well, John, in my opinion, and I'd like to get uh, um, uh, um, the opinion of somebody who really calls him and who, was, who lives up in the Albany area, what he's doing. I think Zeldin ran a terrific race. I really do. I think the media was stacked against him. The money was stacked against him. And I have to tell you, if there was one thing I would have suggested, it was to spend more time explaining to the people on commercials the giveaway, the $637 million no-bid contract that Hochul suspended the bids on. There was no need to do that uh, and gave it, paid twice as much. That's over $300 million more than California paid for the same drug. Didn't buy it from the manufacturer, but from a distributor who raised, just so happened to raise before she suspended the bidding rules, $300,000 for her campaign. And in addition, hired her uh, her son uh, to work on her campaign. Not, I, I mean, you, you want to talk about political buying, that, that was outrageous. No investigations, no call for them. The people didn't even really know. Much of the media didn't cover it. That should have been in the final closing days, uh, not only with respect to crime, inflation, et cetera, the border, the selling of our government um, out by the state. And, and it just never happened. Never happened. And, and you didn't even, even mention the Buffalo Stadium that she gave away and has her husband involved with a company that's going to be operating the concessions there. But let me just yes. quickly say, Republicans in New York are still in a state of shock. They thought, and Lee Zeldin himself thought they were going to win. They ran a very, very good campaign. On the other yep. side of that, the Democrats are in shock because Zeldin and the Republicans did as well as they did for congressional seats on Long Island to have Sean Patrick Maloney defeated and to have Lee Zeldin, a congressman from the tip of Long Island, come within four or five points of the Democratic incumbent governor, notwithstanding the fact that she wasn't elected, really shocked the, the, the uh, Democrats. But the bottom line is, as the senator said, Lee Zeldin didn't have enough money. But added to that was abortion, Donald Trump, and the ability of the Democrats to take advantage of ballot harvesting and the mass support that they have from labor unions, from the teachers union to 1199 to mobilize people. And in the end, a lot of the turnout in Brooklyn late in the day, last Tuesday, a week ago, uh, from uh, African-American voters really turned the tide. Going into the evening, the Zeldin people thought they were winning. When they started seeing numbers from Brooklyn and then from Westchester, they realized they weren't.
Fred, I, I could, yeah. guys, I couldn't believe mm-hmm. that the five uh, bor- boroughs in this city, 70% mm-hmm. voted for crime instead of law and order. Yeah, that, that's shocking. It really is. And, and for someone who was on the front page of the Post every day for the last three weeks, they were they were giving chapter and verse about the Buffalo Bills and the no no bid contracts and the bail reform and the crime. And the and the voters still still but, didn't. Unfortunately, vote. the people in New York City don't all read the New York Post. I wish they did. Yeah. But obviously, wow. for many people, crime was not a defining issue. Certainly not as much as abortion was for many many voters. And the association with Trump clearly damaged Lee Zeldin. If it didn't, you wouldn't have had uh, Kathy Hochul using it day after day, starting in midsummer, to pound Zeldin over his associations with Trump. Well, that gentlemen, that was the theme. All across the country, they were running against Trump, and Trump wasn't on the ballot. So that was what happened across the country. Exactly, it was a good it was a good play on their part. And they're going to do it again, by the way, in that Georgia Senate race in the runoff. And that's a problem. They're going to lose Georgia again. Yeah. Well, if they lose Georgia again, they've lost a great deal. We've all lost a great deal for those of us who want to see the Biden administration policies reversed. Fred Dicker, I know you're not a psychic or anything, but put on your little hat or something. Uh, if you if it wasn't for Trump, if it wasn't for the Dobbs ruling, the overturning of abortion, do you think Lee Zeldin would be our next governor right now? I definitely do. And I think. Senator D'Amato could weigh in here on this because there's an interesting angle to it. The last time, as we know, a Republican won as governor was uh, George Pataki in 1994. But a lot of people forget that Pataki ran as a pro-choice Republican. He was on the right, quote unquote, side on abortion. And that was a key factor in a race that was also dominated with concerns over crime. And Senator D'Amato was in the middle of all that, so he certainly could speak to it. Senator D'Amato? Well, Fred makes a, a, a great point. Two things. Uh, number one, as Eldon had to say, there is no way that Roe v. Wade will be changed in New York if I become governor. Um, it's a state issue, and it will not be overturned. It's, it's, it's um, you know. It's up. You know why they did that, though? That, that, that was well, an afterthought position of Zeldin's because their polling was showing the abortion yeah. issue was killing him. He should have been out front from the very beginning, as Lydia's pointed yeah, out. Yeah. That's why you That's we both said it, that, because it matters to women. That's yeah, why you saw Westchester yeah. go to Hochul. Yeah, well, that, that's number one. But I want to tell you something. You had the crime issue going, and he played that well. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. But he did not play the corruption issue, and that should have been played. It should have been over and over and over. And there was no real TV ads that took that on. And Freddie pointed out the second. I just pointed out the one that was egregious. But the, uh, the other one, that was a little $700 million plus giveaway on behalf of her husband. You bang right. those away and bang those away. And the other thing is, number three, you didn't shift into the city un- until the end. And, and it wasn't enough, enough to get the African-Americans. And you had to be more explicit to say, who are the victims of these crimes? You see that 80 percent of these crimes are being committed against young blacks and, and minorities in our city that is being ravaged 
our, our minority communities are suffering more than any. You know, you, you got to try to go after them. And, you, you know, the other thing is, thank God for Ron Lauder, who uh, has put up about nine or ten million dollars. Uh, the money had to be more forthcoming. And last but not least, and it was touched upon by Freddie, uh, Donald Trump is over. I voted for him. I thought he did a good job, but he's an egomaniac who wants to blame everybody. They stole my you're, you're not. Go, are you not going to Palm Beach tonight to listen to the announcement? <laughs> <laughs> he lost the election. You lost it. You, 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 you stupid ass. And you took and you took Rudy Giuliani's <laughs> advice. You sent him to the Ukraine with a couple of crooks, and they turned out all around. And instead of it being Biden who got the chief prosecutor who was going after his son's company in the Ukraine, he's the guy that we should have had a TV commercial showing Biden and advertising and bragging and laughing uh, about getting the prosecutor fired. He went to the Ukraine on television. He was filmed uh, bragging uh, to uh, a group in New York that he got the prosecutor fired. He said, if you don't fire him within six hours, I'm leaving and I'm taking the billion dollars. And then he turns around for the group, right? And he, and he starts laughing. Ha, ha, ha. They fired we got, him. We got, we got, before we have to take a break, that. we got 30 seconds apiece, 30 seconds for, for Fred Dicker, 30 seconds for Senator D'Amato. What, what say you guys? I'll go first. I think the senator is giving New York voters too much credit to think that they would respond to commercials decrying corruption in the Hochul administration. I think they assume all the politicians are corrupt and they don't think they don't care that much about it. That's right. I, I yeah, I think you're right. And um, do you also think, Fred Dicker, real quick, that the Donald Trump endorsement also hurt Zeldin? No question about it. Donald Trump has become the bad penny of American politics. Whoa. OK. And Senator D'Amato, 30 seconds before you have to go to listen to Trump's announcement tonight. I'm joking. Well, let me say this to you. <laughs> Um, that may be the best thing that happened. Why we didn't capture the state, and I wish we had. Uh, uh, Trump is a liability to a Republican who wants to become a president of the United States. He, he is absolutely, his ego's out of control. He's out of control. He should be rejected. And I don't care who we take. I think there are a couple of great, outstanding people to take over. But I'll tell you this, we don't need Trump. All right. Well, thank you so much, Fred Senator Dicker. Alphonse D'Amato has spoken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let, let all let the rest, rest reflect. We'll let the record reflect. Let the record reflect. Justice and what else? And the American, the American way. way. <laughs> well, thank you hey. so much, guys, and uh, God bless. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. John Katz and Katie's here, and uh, we're almost at the end of the show. We got six, seven minutes left, and we got Mario Konomo. You, We have some breaking news from you from Europe. Tell us what the heck is going on. Yeah, well, I'll start with uh, Germany, first of all. They are preparing through their central bank to 
perhaps if there is going to be blackouts in the country due to the energy crisis, uh, capital controls, which basically means they're going to start controlling, in the worst case scenario, how much money people can take out of the bank, out of ATMs, uh, in order to be able to pay for goods and services. The reason being that they're going to give priority to these uh, to cash and to payments to uh, uh, transporters of energy to industry. Um, and that is actually pretty shocking that a country the size of Germany and a, a central bank in a country like Germany is actually discussing introducing capital controls. Um, and the last time we saw capital controls in Europe was in Greece during the debt crisis. So this is actually a very, very uh, large development if, in fact, it does materialize. What is the actual shortfall they have in terms of, uh, I guess, oil for the winter? I know they've been st- they've been stocking up. Yeah, so right now the reserves across Europe are at roughly 90%. But just like here in America in the Northeast where the cold's starting to settle in, the same thing is happening in Europe. The 90% reserves they have really can carry them for anything from six to eight weeks, depending on how much they draw down. For example, in Belgium, they've told people to start and the average shower time in Belgium for people apparently is nine minutes, and they've told people to start making it five minutes so that they can save the four minutes, uh, the four extra minutes of hot water. Um, a lot of these types of incentives are being introduced across Europe, and now with the digital electric meters, Power companies actually have the ability not only to track what you're consuming, but to also control what you're consuming. So um, the reserves are at 90%. We're seeing natural gas prices uh, rather low, but I suspect once the reserves start being depleted and the European Union goes out into the markets to start buying natural gas once again, uh, the price will start to go back up, and the megawatt hour, uh, the the price of the megawatt hour of electricity will also start to go back up. Mario Economo reports say they don't know whether or not this missile strike where two confirmed people are dead in Poland was in, intentional, whether it was accidental. What what are you hearing? I know that it hit about, what, 15 miles from the Ukrainian border? Yeah, okay, so here's what I'm going to do, and I'm glad you asked me. I'm going to blitz through in the next two minutes uh, what I think is happening, uh, and then you can ask me any questions you have. I'm surprised that nobody today on the program has touched on what has been going on with the G20 in Bali. The G20 in Bali, uh, Bali is five hours ahead of Moscow time. So when the G20 was wrapping things up roughly, and even a little bit before, uh, Foreign Secretary Lavrov of Russia left, and he basically said that the EU is schizophrenic. They're unable to decide if they really want to discuss peace or if they want to continue to arm Ukraine because at the G20, the uh, Europeans and the Americans decided that they are going to engage in another round of money and weapons to Ukraine. While they were discussing this and saying this, the European, uh, the EU defense ministers were meeting in Brussels and they were actually discussing uh, the Mediterranean and also a joint defense, if you will, force to be able to counter Russia. So what I think happened was uh, in the intervening period, President Putin saw what was happening and he decided to launch what has been since the start of the war, the largest assault of missiles into the Ukraine. Now, you're going to say, why would he do that since President Biden essentially won last week? 
The Senate's back in the Democrats' hands. The red wave that was supposed to happen didn't happen. I think you have to think counterintuitively. We got Putin one minute. Now, Putin now is doubling down. He's basically saying, I'm not going to leave the Ukraine. I have the ability to inflict a lot of pain on the Ukraine, and I'm going to continue to do so. As far as that missile goes, I think it was essentially either an errant missile or it was the Ukrainian defense system that actually may have hit it off course, like General Keene said earlier on. Uh, But I don't think that Putin is going to back down now. I think he's going to actually double down. Oh, boy. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Mario. Thank you for the update for all the American people. And uh, stay safe, and we'll catch up with you soon. Enjoy your evening. Thank you. And, guys, thank you. Uh, Judge Weinberg, Craig Eaton, uh, Tony Carbonetti. Uh, you're headed for Qatar. Going to the World Cup next week. Oh, my I think God. I, have I, I, I wouldn't go to Jamaica. U- USA, for England. They, I think yeah. I have whiplash from all what this breaking life. news, John, during Lydia, the show. Uh, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. God bless God America. Bless Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.